and uh, I got up early this morning and uh, uh, didn't know yet for sure what I was going to be uh, uh, talking about. But uh, all I had was uh, all I had was a title, and I had a scripture wrote down, but it didn't have nothing else. And I sat down, began to pray and say, God, and things just begin to start flowing out from me. And I want to share with you for the next few minutes. We're going to be using the book of Proverbs and also the book of Ephesians for our opening text today, our scripture reference. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 27, and Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 28. And we're going to use both of these scriptures for our text today. Proverbs 28 and 27 reads like this, He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack. He that giveth to the poor shall not lack. That's powerful. This is a key for you to get through any kind. It don't matter what kind of economical pressure that you might get under, this this world might get under. This is a principle in the Word of God. This is a key for your well-being. He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack. He that hides his eyes shall have many a curse. Just as powerful. I don't want no hands raised, but I I stand before you as your pastor. I cannot stand here and tell you that I've been perfect in these areas because there's been this last part of this verse. There have been times. Because maybe I've been approached so much by this one or that and asking for help here. We all have been there and we've been asked. And there have been times, Brother Jeff, I've looked and seen somebody come and I'll turn my head the other way because I just had that feeling. I just looked at it. This guy's going to ask me for something. I've done that. But not everybody out there with the need is out there because they want to be. There, listen, when we, as we talk about building a homeless ministry and doing things like this, we, we, we've got to use wisdom about ourselves. We just can't go out here and throw things to the wind. We have to be good stewards of God's blessings that He blesses us with. But just as much as we don't want to give help to somebody who's just going to go out here and spend it and buy a bottle, we don't want to turn our eyes and face uh, a, a, a single mom out there who's got children and fixing to have our lights cut off. All that, well, I sh- we should have had some hand claps there. That's right. Not for me, but for the truth of it. He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack. God says if you share what little you have with the poor, God says I'll bless you to the point that you won't have to worry about lacking. I know you're standing, but listen, I huh? There was a widow woman in a town where there had been a hard famine. And the man of God came. He says, he stopped her. He says, go get me a little water. And she started to get him some water. And he says, please go fix me a little cake. Bring me something to eat. She says, as the Lord liveth, 
The only thing I got left is a little oil in this cruise here. I'm gathering some sticks right now to build a fire. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make one last meal for me and my son. We're gonna eat it. We're gonna die. He said, "You go ahead and do what you said you do, but you bring me first. Because of this woman's obedience and her gift." Her giving, the oil never run dry in her house. She never lacked. She never had to sit down to the table, amen, where there wasn't something for her son to eat. Listen to the principle of the Word of God. It's either right or we ought to throw it away and walk out of this place and never return because we're wasting our time. He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack, but he that hides his eyes shall have many a curse. Ephesians 4 and 28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor. Why should he labor? Why should he work? Working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. For everybody that gets up that goes to work in the morning and punches that clock, I want, I want to tell you right now, it's not so that you can build wealth, but it's so that you can have something that you can share with somebody. Let's pray. Heavenly Fathers are come today. I know I'm nothing. I'm no one. And I'm dependent upon you, Lord, for your spirit. And I don't know too much, Lord. But there's one thing I have learned, and I do know down through the years, I know when you're speaking to me, and I know you're speaking to me this day. Give us what we need today. Change our hearts, our minds, our attitudes. Let us leave here different people. In Jesus' name, let the church say, Amen. You can be seated. I want to speak to you on a subject title that the Lord has put in my spirit. Extensions of the Father's love. I'm going to tell you what, when God interrupted this service two or three weeks ago, and Sister Shelley lay here under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and began to speak out a message. That service forever changed the destiny of Christ's family church. We cannot be what we have been before. We cannot do what we have done before. God is changing our course. He spoke told us last week. There was a reason why He allowed our building to be burnt down. God's design is in everything. It's in everything. We're not under the control of Metro Codes. We're under the control of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And things are coming about His way. In the Asian, African, and Latin American countries, well over 500 million people are living in what the World Bank calls absolute poverty. Now these are true statistics that I want to start with giving you. In the Asian, African, and Latin American countries, there are well over 500 million people living 
in absolute poverty. Every year, 15 million children die of starvation. If I'm going to die, you know, I think, well, you know, laying down, going to sleep, dying in my sleep, that'd be a good way to go. Or if I'm mugged on the street and somebody, Brother Paul, pulls out a pulls out a gun and puts it to my head, hey, I mean that that's 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 an instant trip from here to glory. I'm not, I'm not gonna. It ain't gonna be no lingering pain there, no nothing there. But Sean, starving to death is a long, drawn out process. It's painful and agonizing. And for little children, innocent children who wasn't asked to be brought into this world in the first place, 15 million of them dying of starvation every year. Throughout the 1990 decade, more than 100 million children died from illnesses which shouldn't have been fatal. If they was your child or your grandchildren, they were thing they would be things that you could have easily taken care of. If you didn't have the faith enough to bring them and get prayed for and get them healed, you, you're going to have them at the right doctor. You're going to give them. You're going. You're going. You're going to make sure everything's going to be all right. But during the decades of the 90s, over 100 million children died from illnesses and starvation. The World Health Organization estimates. Listen to this. That one third of the world is well-fed. I'm in that category. One-third of the world is underfed. And the final third is starving. The Indian subcontinent has nearly half the world's hungry people. Africa and the rest of Asia together have approximately 40% of the world's hungry people. And the remaining hungry people are found in Latin America and other parts of the world. In our own hemisphere, just 90 miles off the coast of Miami, in a nation known as Haiti, I've seen little fellows the same size of that little fellow that we laughed about a while ago that was trying to get away from uh, aunties and mamas and grandmamas and ran up here, that little cute red-headed fellow, you know. I've, I've, seen, I've seen with my own eyes children that size out on a garbage dump digging through fly and worm infested the biggest stink that you ever want to smell grabbing bits and pieces here and putting it in the little mouth to try to stop that gnawing hunger pain in their stomach it's not somebody somebody's told me about. It's not something. It's not a statistic that I've read, like I'm reading to you from from what I got I got here. But it's something that I've seen with my own eyes because I was there. And even in America, the once well-known land of plenty has a growing list of hungry people 
also. And more and more hitting the poverty lines. Where is the God of love? Millions of people are asking that question around the world. Where is this God of love? How does He intend to fill the need of a hungry, starving world whose population just recently hit 7 billion? Guess what, folks? 7 billion people, not even in this America, the land of plenty, is there going to be enough food to go around and feed every mouth. But I got an answer that people ask, where is this God of love? And how does He intend to fill the need of all the hungry, starving children in the world? The answer, God is in the midst of His people. We are His hands. We are His feet. We are His arms. And our very lives should be the extension of His love to the world. God is a spirit. Now, if you think big Jehovah's sitting up there on a literal throne somewhere, amen, with his hands crossed and his legs crossed looking down, amen, you, you, you need to think again. He is a spirit. He is not in one particular place and time. The only time God had a body was when he came into Bethlehem and was born in a manger. God now is in the midst of his people. We are His hands. And we, our very lives, should be the extension of His love to this world. God's plan or God's intention for filling the need of a hungry, starving world, guess what? It's through me and it's through you. And if we don't get it, if we don't do it, the job will not be done. The government's is a bunch of hogwash. I don't care who's elected next time. We're going to have the same problems after 2012 as we got right now. This world is not going to get any better. If you believe that, you're believing in a pipe dream. I'm telling you, we're living in the end time. This whole world's fixing to blow up. I'm looking for another world. Hallelujah. But I've got to help somebody else while I'm going from here to there. There ain't no man nowhere alive can stop your problems. There's no man alive that's got a solution for you. Be Republican, Democrat, Independent, or who he may be. Rich, poor, black or white, English, Latino, it doesn't matter. We should be the extension of the love of God to this world. Let's ask the question, because I know a lot of people have asked this question. What can one person do? What can one person do in light of the terrible statistics which I've just read? There are many who look at the staggering odds which we face and we ask the question, what can one person do? And all the stuff you just read to me, preacher. They continue in saying, 
I can't help everyone who has a need. And that's true. You can't. It's true. One person, not even one nation, can solve the problems of this world. One person in one nation can't solve the problem of hunger and poverty. But listen to me close. Listen to me and look at me close. Just because you can't do it all doesn't give you the excuse not to do something. Christ Family Church cannot feed all the homeless people and all the hungry people in Nashville. I know that we cannot do it, but because we cannot do it all, does not give us an excuse to say, well, we cannot do nothing. The wisest and the wealthiest man, Bill Gates, he's nothing compared to this dude. Them Arabs over there and them old, old barons and them Countries over there, it's got all them beings. This, this is nothing compared to this dude. Hallelujah. The wisest and the wealthiest man who ever lived. His name was Solomon. He discovered a secret of blessing and wealth. And that principle still works today. Amen. I read you the opening text. He that giveth to the poor shall not lack. That's a principle in the Word of God. And Solomon realized something. And it was a principle that he lived by when he found it out. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 1. Cast thy bread upon the waters. For thou shalt find it after many days. Cast your bread upon the waters. Don't hoard it. Don't put it in the bank. Don't dig a hole and bury it. Don't, in, don't invest it in 401ks. Cast your bread upon the waters, and you shall find it after many days. You see, church, God is a giving and a generous God. Does anybody agree to that? And He desires His children to be giving and generous people. We're supposed to be like Him. And he's a giving and a generous God. So he desires his children to be giving and generous. So to help us do that, he has laid a spiritual principle in place to be an incentive for us to be givers and share our blessings. The verse in Ecclesiastes is not talking about throwing your wealth, your abundance, or your blessings to the wind. When he said, cast your bread upon the water, he's not talking about just taking whatever it is that you worked hard for and just throw it and let it blow in the wind. That's not what he's talking about. The word waters, we're going to get, we're going to get some spiritual depth right here now. The pastor's going to get you a little bit deeper right here. There's particular words in the Bible. There are numbers in the Bible that has symbolic meanings to them. A lot of people have a hard time understanding the Scriptures, and a lot of people do not get the right interpretation of the Scriptures when they do not understand when they read a verse of Scripture where it needs to be taken literally, symbolically, or spiritually. 
That's where the, where the, when the Bible talks about the Holy Ghost will lead you and guide you with all the truth. When you read the Word of God, if you allow the Holy Ghost to direct you, the Holy Ghost will let you know when you read a verse whether or not that verse should be interpreted symbolically, spiritually, or any other way. And the word waters in the Bible is a symbolic word for people. There's one particular place that I can take you to that bears that out in Revelation chapter 17 and verse 15 when he was talking about the mother harlot back there and um, talking about what's going to take place in the last days. Revelation 17 and 15. Then he said to me, The waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So every time you look at the word water in the Bible, it don't, it's not we're talking about H2O. Sometimes the water talk refers to the Spirit. There's some places in the Bible that talks about water that's symbolic of the Holy Ghost. The dove is a symbol of the Holy Ghost. Fire. But water in several places, when it's talking about waters, it refers to people. Multitudes, nations, and tongues. So God's principle, His method, and His way for you to prosper in life. Hey, let me tell you something. People pay thousands of dollars to go to hear these motivational speakers to get them how to how to gain wealth and man buy all these books and all this stuff. I'm going to tell you what they need to be sitting here right now because I'm giving you a principle in the Word of God that can't nobody outdo it. Nobody can beat this. Nobody can touch this. God's principle, His method, and His way for you to prosper in life and to heap blessings on top of you, amen, is to share it. That's what God tells you to do if you want to have blessings in your life. If you want to be blessed, if you want to prosper. He says, share it. Pass it on to people who are less fortunate than you. Cast your bread upon the waters. Give your blessings what you have earned and worked for. Don't hold it all back. Don't be stingy. Don't be greedy. But cast it out there. Bless somebody. Oh, hallelujah. Give somebody who's less fortunate than you. You are to become an extension of the Heavenly Father's love to the nations of this world. I'm telling you, folks, I guarantee you this will work if you will use it. Not, I'm not talking about a hit and miss situation now. Don't go out here and do this one time. And then uh, just because it's you, don't go, you don't automatically win the lottery. Say, well, it don't work. I tried it. I've been there, done that. You've got to develop a lifestyle. That's just like I, can get a, I, I might get up in the morning and go down here to the gym somewhere, get on the treadmill and, 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 and walk that thing for 20, 30 minutes and get over there and do some weightlifting and do all that stuff. Amen. And just come out all sweaty and everything else. And you go down here and get me a couple Big Macs and double order fries. And don't go back to the gym the rest of the week. I've wasted my time. A lot of people do the same thing with the principles in the Word of God. They'll do it one time, but they don't live it. I'm talking about living it daily. Letting it be a part of your life. Every day should be an extension of God's love from you to everybody you touch. Everybody you deal with. Be a blessing to somebody. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When God has blessed you, don't just be a hoarder. Don't be a greedy, amen, cheapskate. Hallelujah. Walk up to a brother if God has blessed you. Hallelujah. Amen. And you got two or three extra hundred in your pocket. Amen. Walk up to some brother, shake hands, and leave a hundred dollar bill laying in their hand. Glory. Don't be scared to do something to bless somebody. 
If you want it done to you, do it to them. The Bible says for the same measure you meet to somebody else, it'll be given back to you. Hallelujah. I know this thing works. I'll probably get in trouble for saying this. He's not a he's like his daddy, he's not a braggart. But some of the men some of the men who at the men's conference know that Pastor DJ when he went to man's conference, been looking for another car, and he went down to the car dealership. He spied this nice candy apple red vehicle. I forget what kind it is. Dodge Charger. Ticketed on a little over $12,000 or something, right? He invited the man... Come on over to the men's conference, the owner of this dealership. Guess what? He showed up. He was there. And he saw what was going on. After the men's conference, Brother DJ went back over to the dealership to make that man an offer, and he gave him the vehicle. This car dealership owner signed it over to him. All he had to do was pay the taxes on it. You know, you see, there's a lot of spiritual principles of working that. Number one, he came through the area of that man's conference. And Brother DJ is the one who established that man's conference. And there's no telling how many hundreds of men has been blessed because of that man's conference. But also, more than that, Brother DJ is a giver. While the smoke was still coming from our building, I got some phone calls from people two or three weeks later down the road. But that was two or three weeks later. People offering our church help for this and that. And I appreciate that. But the very same day, while the smoke was still going, he saw it on the news and he was over there. This place has just been opened up. They just had it dedicated, $1.5 million building, that they're trusting God to make a way to pay for it. They don't have a way to pay for it. They ain't as wealthy as what some people think they are around here. He said, Brother Proteus, he says, he says, my facilities is yours. He didn't have to do that. Nobody taught him to do it. Nobody twisted his arm. He didn't have time to call a business meeting and ask his church board members if it was okay. He just stepped out. But beyond that, he's always been a giver. When I, was, when I was over there, night and day, for 30 days in the trauma unit with Sister Darlene after an accident, not working and, and, having, having, uh, and, and having to eat, eat, eat out and pay, pay the outrageous price for uh, um, you know, fast food and all that stuff. One day he came up, him and his wife, to visit, to see how things were doing. And before he left, he hugged my neck, shook my hand. He said, bless you, Brother Sammy. He said, I know. You're going to need this. And when he walked away and I looked in my hand, there was a couple hundred dollar bills left there in my hand. I didn't get that from, from some of my family members or church, church members or this, but God opened a door there and blessed me. And God blesses him because he blesses other people. And he'll do it for you if you develop a lifestyle that you want to see somebody blessed. He that giveth to the poor shall not lack. 
Hallelujah. There have been a lot of times I've given my last dollar. I've given my last dime out of my pocket. Hallelujah. And when I have a need, God always sees through. And I always get that need. God makes a way for me. And if He do it for me, He'll do it for you. got to become extensions of the Heavenly Father's love to everybody in the world. Even those people that don't appeal to us as much. Because guess what? Even those people who don't smell good, he, God loves them just as much as He loves you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. This is the words of Jesus. Jesus says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Now let me give you, Dr. James last week talked about people not using words correctly and messing things up. Now, when Jesus says give here, it's not just talking about money. That's that's open wide open right there. Give. Give yourself. Give your finance. Give your love. Give your forgiveness. Give your compassion. Give your friendship. And it shall be given unto you. That little word, it, is very important. Whatever it is you give, whatever it is, it is going to be given back to you. If you give love, love is going to come your way. If you give forgiveness, forgiveness is going to come your way. If you give finance, finance is going to come your way. If you give compassion, compassion is going to come your way. For whatever measure you meet. Well, let me let me let me read all this scripture. Give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together. I never will forget. I hated when I was a kid to go out in the garden and work. Oh, man, I'd just rather do anything than that. Daddy would give me a, a bushel basket and says, Get out there and pick them beans, boy, or them greens or whatever. Hallelujah. Casey don't like picking turnip greens, neither. I'll tell you that right now. I found that out. He says, you get this basket filled, and you can go down there and shoot hoops with your buddy down down the road. So, man, I go out there. I don't remember what it was. It was beans, whatever it was. I was picking. Man, I just throw them things in there, man. It was all fine. Daddy, I got this thing filled up. He looked at that. He said, you ain't got that thing filled he picked that basket up. He started shaking that basket, jerking that thing around. You know what I'm talking about, Brother Arch. You're a garden raising man. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Time he got through shaking that thing, pressing it down, I thought, oh, my Lord. I picked the bottom of it up and I looked. I said, this thing got a hole in it or What? He said, he told me, he looked at me, he said, if you just toss it in there, he said, you won't, he said, you won't get it and nothing in there to make a good mess of anything. He says, get out there and pick some more of this stuff. And that's what God's talking about right here. He said, you give and it, whatever it is you give, shall be given unto you, 
good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. Hallelujah. For with the same measure that you meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. I'm telling you, folks, this is how you can get through all this crisis alive. This is how you can survive. You become a giver. You become a lover. You show compassion. You become extension of the Father's love to other people. And it's going to pipe back to you. Hallelujah. Paul wrote to Galatians, he says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, there's a lot of different versions of the Bible. I'm not sure they got this version up there. This is, this is uh, uh, Sammy's version of that same Scripture. Whatever goes around comes around. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You go around and, and hurt somebody and lie on somebody, it's going to come back to you. You try, you, try to, you try to knock somebody down so you can get ahead, it'll happen to you. You try to show somebody off on your job so the boss man will pick you over somebody else, you might get that other spot, but sooner or later somebody's going to do it to you. What goes around comes around. But you know when it comes back, he's going to shake it down, press it together, and it's going to be running over. <laughs> Come on, give Jesus a hand, clap of praise. It's almost four o'clock. Can I give you just a little bit more? I won't give you the whole truckload, but there, there, there's just a little bit more. Let me give you at least start this second part because I'm going to tell you, folks, God has definitely given me this word for this church today. Let me talk just a little bit about self-sufficient or God-sufficient. Now, this right here, this right here is what's going to make some people get uptight and upset. It will. When we start talking about are we self-sufficient or are we God-sufficient. Now, here's where we get down to the root of the problem for those of us who have been born and bred according to the standards of the American philosophy, work hard and build your security. Focus on financial independence. That has been the major instruction from economists and financial advisors as far as I can remember. That's what we're taught in America. You work hard. Build yourself up some security. Focus on becoming financial independent. It's the way we've been taught, we've been trained, and we've been indoctrinated. But let me ask you a question. Is that God's way? Is that God's way? Is that the way that God wants a Holy Ghost-filled man and woman to live? It is the way of self-sufficiency to build yourself up to where you can become financially independent. Self-sufficient. But do you think it is God's desire for you to become self-sufficient? Do you really think God blesses you with a good job and a good salary so you can build your personal wealth and become self-sufficient. You are as far away from the truth of the Bible as the earth is from Mars, if you think or believe that. God wants you to be God-sufficient. He wants us to be God-sufficient. Matthew 6 and 25. I'll read this 
final verse. And that's all I'll give you today. Jesus says, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought of your life, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Now let me ask you a question, honestly. We're home folks here. We know one another well. Who of us, who of us from this pastor all the way down, who of us really live by the standard of this verse? Take no thought of your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or your body, what you're going to put on. Who among us really live by that standard? Where in this verse is the philosophy of laying back for a rainy day? Where is the doctrine of self-sufficiency in this verse right here? This is not self-sufficiency. This is God's sufficiency. When you don't think no thought of your life or what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink, you see, we got to have these things worked out. We got to have a little bit laid back in store for the rainy day so we know we have something to live off of if something happens. But is that God's way? That's not walking by faith. That's not walking by faith and not by sight. I told you this is going to be hard. This is living a life of faith and depending on God for your well-being as you focus your industry energy on His work, being the extension of your love. Now, the point, the point I, I, I'm trying to make in saying all that, I'm not telling you it's nothing wrong into trying to provide for yourself and your family. Because the Word of God says, He that provideth not for his own, and especially for his own household, has denied the faith and is worse than infidel. Is not that correct? So that's not what I'm saying here. The point I'm trying to make and what I'm trying to say is that we all have the instinct to protect ourselves and to provide for ourselves. But too many times, all this focus on ourselves causes us to overlook the needs and sufferings of others. When we just, well, I got my bills paid. Now I've got, got to build some more back of my nest egg back here to provide for retirement or, you know, I've been wanting to take that big vacation for a long time. All that focus is on self-sufficiency in me, me, me. And so when I'm focusing on that, then it's causing me to lose focus of the suffering and the sick out here that needs some help. Because when I'm focusing on building up enough to take this, this, this uh, big vacation or uh, laying back enough for a rainy day, as all of our economists teach us, the American philosophy is, then when somebody comes through here, a missionary comes through here telling us of the suffering and the dying, that, uh, or, or um, somebody tells us about some homeless people or somebody who needs some immediate help, we say, oh, no, well, I can't afford that. Well, that's true because we're focusing on the money we got in our pockets rather than on the money that we got laid back. Now, I might not have enough dollar bills in my bill for change in my pocket to give to this particular need. And so I say, well, I... I can't afford it. What all, all this stuff I got laid back here? When you got somebody with immediate need who needs some help, and I'm holding back money and don't give them some help because I'm trying to save up enough money so I can go out and have a big, nice vacation? What's the Word say about that? The Word says if you see someone in need, and you shed up the bowels of compassion against them, how dwelleth the love of God in you? That's what the book says. 
I know it's tight, but it's right. What are you saying, Brother Samuel? I'm saying we can all do a whole lot more than what we've been doing. Every one of us. And if you do it, Brother Joseph, God, I'll give you. I know we go around all the time and you hear people get up and say, Well, God said He'd supply your needs, not your wants. Do you know what? That's a bunch of bull. I'm going to tell you right now, that's hogwash. God's given me a lot of things that I've wanted that I didn't need. Man, if I, I could start giving you a list of things that I've said, uh, and, 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 and there's been some times things has happened to me, and I've been blessed with something, and I didn't even realize. Says, darling, she said, darling, she says, I heard you say that one time. I said, say what? You said you wanted that. And I didn't even realize it. But God blessed me with something. The Bible says that He would give you the desires of your heart. So if we reach out, and I'm not going to look back to my notes because I promise you I wouldn't. I'm going to stop it right here. But if we will be an extension of the love of God, if we become God's hands, His feet, His mouth, and when we have an opportunity to help somebody who's suffering and need, and I look at my billfold, Somebody needs somebody needs fifty dollars to keep their light. A a a single mother needs fifty dollars to keep her lights from being cut off. And I look in my pocket change and my billfold, and I don't have twenty five dollars. And instead of saying I can't afford that, when I know I got two or three thousand laid back and building up for this big vacation I've been planning. Forget about my billfold and pull out my check and write out a check for $50 and supply the immediate need. God will see to it that I get my vacation. Did you hear me? He'll see to it because he that giveth to the poor shall not lack. Let's stand.